Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week. Another guest this week, and I know that a lot of you guys are missing Britt, um, but she will be back soon, I promise. Uh, but, you know, we got to get some guests in here that know more than we do. And we actually have someone who knows more than we do today. We're going to welcome Tiffany from Thrive at the Farm at Natchez Trace. Tiffany, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Excited to be here. How are you? I am fabulous. Now, you and I did record one uh, many months ago, <laughs> and we did it... Um, via over the computer so it was remote and it did not turn out real well because it's beautiful the connection was terrible <laughs> but the information was so good it was so instead of re-recording that we're going to talk about food myths today uh or i like how you put it Mythbusters nutrition edition but before we get bum, into bum, that bum. tell everybody what your background is um and why we have you on here for this Absolutely. So I've been working at the farm at Natchez Trace for going on three years now. I started as a in the lodging department back there and have moved up to manage the Thrive Market. And that kind of really kicked off my interest in the pet food industry, nutrition and things like that. Um, when I started working in that position, I realized I was very undereducated. And so I took a couple courses and then I actually really, really got into the information and that's what made me take that class that we actually both had taken to get the full certification and things like that to back up my knowledge. And I've been here ever since. I love it, too, because uh, I, we took Gray and I took the dog food uh, nutrition course about dog food and, and basically the ingredients and how they list it. And then there was the advanced one I was thinking about taking. And then you're like, <laughs> I'm taking it. I'm like, then why do I need to? I'll just send people to you, there which you I do. Um, so, you know, we have that general knowledge, but it's really good to have someone who knows above and beyond. And I know that just by working with you the last couple of years, you know a lot about food and you know a lot about nutrition and, uh, and you know more than most vets, uh, just because most vets have, think of it kind of like a general practitioner. Right. You know, you go to your general practitioner, they don't know a whole <laughs> lot on nutrition. You go to a nutritionist for that. Um, and so it's really good to have somebody available 
uh, to kind of talk people through. Um, and we send a lot of our clients your way to be like, go talk to Tiffany. She'll, she'll figure it out for you. Hey, I love it. The, my favorite ones are the ones that walk right through the door and scream that they're here for the Nikki crack. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, at least I just wish they would say doggy crack. Yes. Instead of just Nikki crack. They have gotten some odd looks by other clients a couple I, I times. I can imagine. <laughs> have you ever just walked out and been like, um, you have to come in the back door yeah. for that. <laughs> one day I will. I'll have to get somebody good one with that one. One day you'll have to do that. One day. You'll be like, uh, that's that's at the back door. <laughs> Don't do that. Because uh, uh, the uh, other place that I send people for doggy crack. They will walk in and say that too. Oh, I'm absolutely. here for Nikki's crack. And I'm like, <laughs> that's how I know that they came directly from you. And it's not Gray or Amanda. Not it's 100% they came right from Nikki. And here they are. <laughs> I need doggy crack. I need Nikki's crack. I wish I had something that was so good that people just couldn't stay away from. Oh, good. Well, that could, that could go a hole down like a rabbit hole right there, couldn't it? <laughs> I think it could. All right. So we are going to talk about Mythbusters Nutrition Edition. Um, I love this because I think that I think that people are not as educated on dog food as they need to be. And, you know, we get thrown off by uh, the commercials and what mm-hmm. veterinarians are recommending. Right. So um, I think that this is a really good way to help people kind of navigate this. Yes. There's a lot of misconceptions in the pet food industry. <laughs> so much, so much, so much. So we'll start with myth number one. So myth number one, once you find a food that suits your dog... You shouldn't switch. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. This is one of my favorite ones because <laughs> many, many, many people do this because we've kind of been taught that it's the correct thing to do. If it works, we're going to stick with this and only this. So the only people that actually benefit from that is going to be the pet food company who captured your attention on that first bag and your dog happened to like it. So it is true that if you feed the same food for months or years on end, that when you change that food, there's going to be digestive upset. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't change the food. It means you should change it more often. Uh-huh. And so why why is it that changing more often is the ideal way to go about things? So you're really building up that gut health. And I won't go too much into the technical terms since we had to delete our advanced nutrition um, podcast. <laughs> but, but feel free to throw some out. Absolutely. So it builds up the gut health, which makes the stomach a lot stronger. So the more that they're used to variety, the more that they can handle variety. So if you think about it like us, if you was to eat a salad every day for three years of your life, and then one day you decided you wanted a cheeseburger... It's probably not going to go over very well. That's going to be bad. However, (laughs) you know, if you mix it up and you throw in a cheeseburger every once in a while with your salad and things like that, you're able to handle more stuff. I love that because for me, I'm I'm, I'm taking it and I'm moving it to the brain to where if a dog is exposed slowly, their brain can handle more exposure where if it's just exposed to just the backyard, exposed to just the house, they're not going to do a very good job. Absolutely. Out there. So, um you know, it's funny because when you look at dog food bags, they are absolutely, um, it's advertised for the people. Oh, absolutely. Right? You look at these pretty <laughs> bags with this pretty food and this natural ingredient absolutely. food. Um, and, I, and, and quote me if I'm wrong because I have, I backed off my nutrition education. Not going to lie, y'all. I'm no really pressure. into neuroscience right now. Um, that there's no regulation uh, of what people, of what manufacturers can put on the outside of the bag there is but it's very 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 minimum and it's more geared to benefit the pet food company than it is the actual clientele because i know if like if it says something that okay this is puppy food Mm -hmm. 
is there's no real there's no certain requirement there's no certain to requirement make to make that a puppy Correct. food yes yeah and that's what a lot of people think they're like well i have a senior dog i need to get senior dog food right there's no standard right to, and, and, and where they have to meet that exactly another big one i like to point out is the um ones that you see that's like non-gmo ingredients and things like that there's only a very select few things that are legal to be gmo and corn is one of them which corn is in a lot of food but other than that there's not many other things that could be put in a dog food that's actually genetically modified uh-huh see so it's easy to just throw that on all the bags because most of all it's not <laughs> contains ingredients they're, that's genetically modified they're like we're not doing anything special right and extra but we can say this exactly yes and then okay. um another one is the fruits and vegetables on the front of the bag tons of fruits and vegetables to kind of make it look good but when you flip it over at the ingredients list there's either no fruits and vegetables or they're at the very bottom of the list past all the supplements and minerals so you might get one little half of a blueberry oh, in the whole bag. <laughs> bless it. Is it so? It's true that it's anything listed after salt. There's one percent or less of that ingredient. Correct. So yeah, I remember legally, my education there you go. Here. I, I love it. it. So legally, that is one of the stipulations. The salt cannot make up more than one percent of the food. So anything listed after salt on the bag is going to be less than one percent of the food. Wow. And I think that is where a lot of people get thrown and they get confused. And, yeah, and when I talk absolutely. to my clients, I'm like. You know, you got to just look at the food, and they're like, "Well, I looked at the ingredients, and it looked good, but they, but it can really be very misleading." Oh, it really can, absolutely. Now, when we're talking about switching food, are we talking switching brands, or are we just talking switching recipes from the same manufacturer? So, I recommend to all of my clients to switch your brand at least once every one to two years. During that one to two year period, you should be rotating rotating through their different proteins or formulas, obviously within your dog's realm of being able to handle. Okay, that's good to know because I've been telling clients wrong on that. I've been saying that every two or three bags you can change brands. Well, you certain if your dog can handle that and okay. you're okay with jumping around like that, then you certainly can. Okay. Especially if you're in your premium quality dog foods, they all have wonderful things to offer that are a little bit different than the other one. So being able to go back and forth between different brands, you're kind of getting the different benefits from each one. So if you're up to switching that fast and want to switch that fast, you absolutely can. Awesome. Good to know. All right. See, I knew that some of these would take us down some rabbit holes, but that's good. We need to do that. Um, All right. So myth number two, the more the food cost, oh, this is a good, yeah. It is. The more the food costs, the better it is. <laughs> That's not true in all things, y'all. It's not. However, on the opposite end of that, the cheaper it is, the lower the quality. I would say that is 100% of the time correct. However, your big companies, I won't throw any big names out here so we don't ruffle too many feathers yep. on my first podcast. That's right. Here. That's right. But um, there are a lot more companies out there that spend way more money on their marketing than they actually do the ingredients and the quality of their food. So there's a lot of companies that you're paying for their marketing rather than the quality of the product. Um, a big thing that I notice is when a lot of newer people come into the store, they're like, I've never heard of any of these brands before because they don't spend a whole lot of money on marketing. And so you don't see them on commercials. You don't see them online as much. And because all of their profit and their money is going into the quality of the ingredients that they're actually putting out. It's funny because Britt and I, when we're sitting watching TV or something, she'll see these dog food commercials. And she's like, I just want to help these small yeah. companies with their marketing because these big companies and their marketing, I they're crappy. It. Okay, she says they're shitty food. <laughs> Um, but you're right. Yeah. They spend a lot of money on that because, you know, they know that the consumer is not as educated 
And we don't make a point to educate as much. Exactly. And we, we do need not. to because nutrition is the core to everything. And I it know really with behavior, is. Absolutely. it is huge, um, you know, when we're dealing with that. And it's like I saw a post on Facebook today about somebody who's, whose dog's been on Apoquel. And you're like, you're already like laughing, right? <laughs> and the Apoquel is no longer working, but now it's going to be months before they can get in to get a, you know, a Cyto shot. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I was like, okay, so first off, of course, I posted on there, right? I'm like, oh, we need to look at the nutrition of everything, and we need to, and here, go talk to Tiffany, right? So, yeah, I shot, I shot, I, I love shot it. you out to everybody, because I'm like, stop just with the symptoms. Yes. Get to the root, and then deal with symptoms as needed. Absolutely. But get to the root of it, and, and I know that, I mean, nutrition, I mean, honestly, our country isn't healthy with human nutrition. Correct. So... Yeah, it makes sense that we're not putting as much money or much, um, even just as much, um, oh my God, I, I just lost the word that I was research. looking for. Re- thank you, research, <laughs> into dog food right. and, and setting that regulations and, and having those standards a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. I and mean, hopefully one day that will happen. We hope so, because there's many, many people out there that are putting the money and the research into it. It's just not getting as far down in the line as it needs to. It's just not getting shown on the big TVs. That's right. Yeah. So... Guys, don't think that just because you're seeing a commercial all the time and that four out of five of your neighbors feed that food, it's the right <laughs> food or it's even a good food. Um, all right. So I love this one because I love it when people like grimace when they tell me this um, and I laugh at same. them. It's the same when they're like, too. my dog sleeps in the bed with me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, how's your oh. sex life? I mean... <laughs> That's, I don't sleep with you. I don't care if your right. dog sleeps with you. Um, and people are like, what the hell are we, are we asking, about to ask here? All right. Feeding your dog human food is never a good idea. Yes. So fresh <laughs> is best, guys. If your dog will eat a big chunk of broccoli, let him eat a big chunk of broccoli. So when I'm, we say this, we're not saying get some deep fried chicken and feed it to your dog. Or we're not saying some loaded mashed potatoes. Within the realm of safety, absolutely feed your dog human foods um, and fit it into your lifestyle. So many people try to make it a difficult thing. Like, I'm going to go shopping for my dog. I've got to buy all these pet-specific toppers and things. Incorporate it into your lifestyle. When I make dinner, if I'm cooking fresh vegetables or something like that, I chop up a little extra and set them to the side and it goes to the dog bowl when it's time for them to eat. So it's not something that you have to spend a lot of extra money on. Typically, 90% of the human foods dogs can have is already in your fridge. Yes. Now let's talk about that broccoli. Um, so if you're say going to give your dog some broccoli mm-hmm. and maybe we're going to put it as a topper, um, on whatever normal thing we're feeding, should it be pureed and chopped up into small pieces? Um, or can we just give them the chunks? Maybe a little both. So, um, there's two different scenarios here. So when you puree it up, the dogs are actually able to break it down a lot easier and get a lot more nutritional value out of it. However, they also are good whole for, you can use them in place of dental chews. They're pretty coarse when you chew against them. They can take tartar and stuff like that off. I actually, every once in a while, I have some super chewers at home. So we go through bones and things like that all the time. A fun thing that we do is we buy a head of romaine lettuce and we just give it to them. Let them chew it up, tear it up. If they swallow it, awesome. They got some lettuce in their diet today. If they don't, it's okay. We just got to clean it up. We're just going to have to clean up a toy anyways. 
So little things like that, kind of incorporating it in. But absolutely, if you're looking for the nutritional value out of these things, you can puree it up. That's also a good way to get the dogs who are a little bit more picky and don't want to eat their vegetables. You can throw some <laughs> bone broth off in the puree and it kind of spices things up, makes them want to eat a little bit better. Ooh. And they absorb a lot more of the nutrients that way. Love that. Love, love, love that. Now, you mentioned romaine lettuce. Um, iceberg lettuce is kind of useless for everybody. Absolutely. But romaine, we're good. Yes. So okay. you can do iceberg as well. I'm not an iceberg fan. I I despise iceberg lettuce. I'm a romaine girl. I'm, uh, I like my romaine too. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So that's why we typically go that way. But now, yeah. Do you go all the way down to the hard part of the romaine? Now I do, but okay. only because my dogs can't handle that. They're used to chewing on hard things and I always keep, as long as they can get through it within 30 minutes, I'm okay with that. Awesome. All right. Look at that. Woohoo. <laughs> all right. Myth four. If my... Oh, wait, let me just go back real quick uh, for the, for the food of human food. Okay. I get a lot of times people are like, I'm not going to give my dog human food because I don't want him to beg. All right. Look, <laughs> don't get dog, it out of your plate. Your dog has a nose. <laughs> it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. and just don't feed them when you're eating. Yeah. Put it off to the side. Give it to them later. Now I am totally one that feeds Myers sometimes while I'm eating <laughs> um, because I'm teaching him how to sit there while I eat. Um, but he he knows he doesn't, and his begging is he just really looks really cute and paws at me. It's not that big of a deal. If I don't want it, I'll just give him instruction to go do something else. So, so. Bruce, actually, <laughs> funny story about that. We don't care if our dogs are looking at us while we're eating and stuff. But my my genius dog, Bruce, he will lay underneath you. And, you know, most dogs will stare at you. He stares at the floor because he's scared if he looks at you, he might miss something that hits the floor. So he just, we don't mind it because he's just laying underneath us staring at the floor. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's amazing I that he just it. stares at the floor. Because he don't want to miss it. If oh it hits God. the floor, it's his. <laughs> I'm not sure that makes him really smart or kind of sadly uh, well, short-witted. I, was, <laughs> I mean, it certainly makes him <laughs> short-witted. I was, you know, I'm dog mom here. I got to talk about my baby in a good way. That's hilarious. But, you know, you do, you see a lot of dogs that will do that, that lay under the child's chair. Yeah. The the high chair and, and all that. And, um, you know, it's good. It's nice to have somebody cleaning things up. We go over to my parents. They're not, the dogs are not allowed. I know. It's a sin. Um, and we still go over. And uh, every time something drops on the floor, I'm just like, get the broom because you don't have a dog. <laughs> now it's extra work because you yourself. don't have a dog. Pick it up yourself. All right. Myth four. If my dog isn't eating well, oh yeah, I should leave their food out all day. I knew he was going to love this one. Yeah, because it drives me crazy. Yes. Free feeding drives me crazy. It does me too. And we've got that in common. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the first things I always ask someone when they come um, in and tell me that they have a picky dog. We Even if your dog is or isn't picky, food should never be given 24 access to. Mealtime is, even to us, it's, it's a reward. We look forward to eating, our favorite things, things like that. If you've got 24-7 access to that all the time, it kind of starts to get boring. It's not as exciting. Mealtime should always be exciting. Um, it can also contribute to a lot of other factors. Most dogs that are overweight have free access to most food. And you also really don't know how much that your dog's eaten when you're free feeding. And and as that food sits out, it's going rancid. Absolutely. So that's a big thing with kibble. And a lot of people don't know, kibble starts going bad as soon as you open up that bag. As soon as it comes into contact with air, it's going bad and it's going bad really fast, actually. So when you have it outside of an unsealed bag in the open air all day, you are absolutely, those fats are starting to go rancid. Most food, most bags should be used within two weeks. 
Absolutely. Right? I okay. agree. And I do always tell people if you've got something that's going to last longer than that, a good way to combat that is to Ziploc bag it and put it in your freezer because that Ooh. freezes the fats and those frats, fats won't start going bad. Oh, I love that because a lot of people will buy big bags when they're on sale. Right. That is a beautiful, beautiful idea to do that. Um, okay. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. And the, and the thing is, is when a lot of people say, you know, yeah, my dog just grazes. He's not, he's not really food motivated. And I'm like, it's kind of hard to know if he actually likes his food and if it makes him feel good because we don't know what he's eating. Correct. Um, and, and especially, and I, I believe it or not, and I've, I've heard of this too much. People leave full bowls out with multiple dogs in a household mm-hmm. and they think they share because everybody <laughs> looks fat. But then what happens is the one that's eating is naturally fat. The ones that are not getting to the bowl and getting enough calories are also fat mm-hmm. because their needs are not being met. Yes. It's, such a, it's just a bad idea across the board. Don't think that your dog's going to get along that well. That someone is not guarding that bowl. Absolutely. I promise you. <laughs> it's happening. You're of just course. not hearing it or seeing the Or fights. noticing, yeah. Or noticing it. So, yeah, definitely make sure that, you know, feed on a, a schedule – maybe it's not the same time every day, but you know, twice a day, we feed twice a day today. I'm sitting here. Britt usually feeds in the morning. She gets up before me. She has to be in the work uh, before me. And I'm sitting here. It's like noon. And she looks at me. She goes, I didn't feed the dogs breakfast. I'm like, what? Oh my God. Okay. So your dogs let you live past that. I know. Well, they had a greenie. And then they had, um, I think Isabella had like a pup cup or something. <laughs> Poor Myers. I mean, he's a little. So I was like, come on, babies, mama feed you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they had a little topple with canned food and kibble today. I love it. All right. So, um, oh, yeah. So see, my dog isn't food motivated. Yeah. I knew- so going right into that. Abs- I love it. Right? It's like we studied. <laughs> we didn't. I just kind of took a picture of your I paper know. and then I'm reading off of that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's... It, Every dog's going to be food motivated. Absolutely. Right? Tell us why it looks like it, um, that they're not. So <laughs> that's usually your big telltale sign that what you're feeding is not working. Um, if dogs aren't feeling well, if the food that they're eating is making their stomach hurts, they're capable of relating that back to the food and are capable of making the decision of, last time I ate that, my stomach hurt, so I don't want to eat that again. But of course, our dogs can't express themselves, so they get into the habit of just refusing to eat. And all dogs are, like you said before, it is definitely motivated, but you've got to make sure you're feeding the right things and kind of meeting the needs that they have. Not all dogs are the same. Not all dogs need the exact same diet. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people say, well, I've changed food. Well, I know over time, if you're feeding a lot of the same thing that the dog is not feeling well off of, so they have a sensitivity to a, a certain ingredient and, and you can change brands or mm-hmm. recipes and that ingredient's still there, right. it's going to get to a point where they don't even want to eat the kibble itself because they're going to exactly. think all kibble exactly. is that way. So even trying to change to something new. So sometimes having to change to dehydrated, mm-hmm. raw can just to change it i've even had people change what they're feeding out of if they're not doing something like a snuffle mat maybe Mm -hmm. feed off of a plate instead of a bowl right just to kind of change that up to get the mind it kind of resets things yeah yeah it's like i tell you know i tell people it's like you know if you've had crohn's disease um and you're used to being upset every time you eat Mm -hmm. you're going to back off eating right but then you get medicine for that and you're no longer going to get sick eating 
but your mind still tells you that you're going to. Right. And it takes time. It does. You know, so I think people, I don't think people give enough time to let a dog adjust. Right. Whether it's to new food or um, a new flavor. Or it's mm-hmm. like they try to change food. Dog gets a little diarrhea yeah. and they're like, oh my God, I switched back. Yes. This is the story of my life. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, no, no, no. We, we got to give it a little time. chance. We're going to talk about probably the end of that too. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, oh, this is my favorite one. Too. It's I, my these favorite. There's so many good ones. I here. probably hear this like five or six times a day. Yes, a I day. usually get people asking me this too. Uh, kibble is good for my dog's teeth, yes. and I want to know what your answer is because I know how I answer it. So I'm curious <laughs> to see how you're going to answer. Okay, it. so when I am talking about fresh food diets, typically this is where this comes up. People love to say, "But the kibble's good for their teeth. It cleans their teeth." Now, the abrasive property of the kibble does clean the teeth, but in order to make that kibble into a kibble, you have to have a lot of carbohydrates. And carbohydrates actually put as much plaque back onto the teeth as they take off, if not more. Because dogs don't have what they need in their saliva to start breaking down the carbs. Yes. I am remembering my education. One point for Nikki. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling really good about myself today. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... What do you recommend for people um, on teeth cleaning? Well, actually, um, I'm, I'm going to get on to you here a little bit. Oh, no. I'm, we're going to be in you trouble. Mentioned that you, you oh, greenies. the greenies. <laughs> I think we've actually talked about Have this we? before. Yeah, they're like 80% potato. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see? Okay. okay. <laughs> I dropped the ball on that. So no. now we're going we're to teach did. Nikki I here. Brit, I know, right? <laughs> Brit, pick those up. I'm going to blame Britt for that. Hey, let's not okay, throw so, Britt yeah, under so the bus. Okay, so let's talk about that then. Absolutely. These toothbrush so, treats. Okay, so first, let us let me talk about what I don't recommend okay. first. Um, now, I have some brands that do carry dental bones that I would recommend if you're just absolutely dead set on having a dental bone. However, dental bones are not doing much for people. Even the ones that don't include your potatoes and your really starchy stuff, they are abrasive, they're not doing much. Most of them are going to last three to four minutes, if that. Real bones, and I'm. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I hate to really get nope. into the chew thing nope. because it's good. It's very controversial. They want to hear it. My raw, listeners want to hear it. Raw meaty bones is my absolute top recommendation for cleaning teeth. Once or twice a week, thirty to forty minutes at the absolute most. That abrasive of them chewing on that is going to clear off their teeth. Absolutely, if you want to brush your dog's teeth, 100% go for it if your dog can tolerate it. I personally don't, but I also feed a raw diet, so we've got lots of bones and things in our diet. Um, that's definitely my top recommendation is going to be the raw meaty bones. However, I mentioned the broccoli earlier. Odd things like that in and out in between the raw meaty bones can also be helpful. Now, I'm not saying give your dog a stalk of broccoli every day and they're never going to get dental disease. It's <laughs> not what I'm saying. But anything that they're going to need to chew on for a little while is going to clean those teeth. And then staying away from your starchy things that are actually causing the buildups, your things that are very high in potatoes and peas and stuff like that. And most dental bones that are marketed for actual dental bones are super expensive. Yeah. I don't think we carry one bag in the store that is under $20 that would last you more than a week. Wow. Yeah. And you can get a pack of raw meaty bones, do one once a week and last you a month on $20. Excellent. So give, um, what raw meaty bones do you recommend the most? Is this something they can get at the grocery store? Um, in the human department, do you uh, recommend going to a pet store? 
What's the best scenario for uh, that? I, if you go to the grocery store, be knowledgeable in what you're going in for. Do your research so you know which bones to look for and which bones to stay away from. And there's two types of bones here. So there's the bones that they're just going to eat to get the marrow and the meat off of, and that's going to be a weight-bearing bone. So those are your really thick bones that your dog's never going to actually eat the bone. They're eating the meat and the marrow that's in between. Now, there are things like duck necks, turkey necks, chicken feet, duck heads that your dog can 100% consume the entire thing and I recommend those as well but again make sure you are educated on it before you go kind of shopping for those things if you don't have a lot of education maybe stick more to the pet food market and stuff okay do you have a place that you uh, normally would send people for some education is there uh, anything special that you have a nutritionist named Tiffany I mean <laughs> if they can't get in with you or they don't live here so we have a lot of listeners in other countries absolutely so definitely take a look at the websites um, like Google Google Just search. Google. So you're nothing cooked. If it's a raw bone, I recommend it. There's not many raw bones that your dogs can't have, but you need to be able to differentiate between your weight bearing bones that the dog's not actually going to consume. And then your non weight bearing bones that your dog can consume. Excellent. 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 Um, so that goes into, um, garlic is toxic to dogs. Dun, dun, dun. I know this is very confusing for a lot of people. It really is. Um, and it's something that's pushed very, very hard in the pet industry off of one study that was done many, many, many years ago. And it's a very odd study. <laughs> this gentleman took, I can't pronounce the university that he worked at and I, I won't even try, but he conducted this study on four dogs. And each of these dogs were given 1.25 milliliters of garlic extract Per kilogram of body weight. I know that sounded like a lot. Let me break it down. Yes. Okay. So for an example, that would be 20 cloves of garlic a day for a 40-pound dog. That sounds like... That's a lot of garlic. That is a lot of garlic. That sounds like me cooking when Brittany wasn't here. <laughs> I was like, I think I overdid the garlic. I'm going to sweat it out Can for 14 really days. Can you really overdo the garlic? I, I didn't think you could until I cooked. Okay, and I did. So I see. I did. Yes. I can see that that is way too it's much a lot. garlic. And even with that large amount of garlic, there was only minuscule signs of toxicity in the dogs. Very, okay. very, very minuscule. Now, let's talk about why we would want to give mm -hmm. our dogs garlic. Why is it anything that's good? I use garlic on a daily basis for flea and tick preventatives. Yes. Yes. So I do not do any of the over-the-counter meds that you can get from the vet. I do all natural when it comes to flea and tick prevention. And it's a very small amount that they get. I would say it's probably equal to about a half a clove a day if I was actually going to break it down. Um, now, this is a, a pet food product. It's, okay. I'm not going and buying garlic. I don't trust myself enough yet. I, that Because I was going to ask that. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, so it is a product that I buy, but how that works is with your dog ingesting that garlic combination on a daily basis, it changes the scent of their blood. Hmm. Obviously, it's not something that we can notice. Your dog's not going to smell like garlic, <laughs> but... <laughs> Insects like mosquitoes and fleas and ticks that do smell blood can smell that change in the blood and do not want to get on your dog, let alone bite them. Makes sense. When we I just put, had yep. some uh, jailbreak in here. I, we did. The, the door did not close all the way and the dogs are like, oh my God, she's still here. Um, I know when I used too much garlic, um, no one came around me. Yes. Uh, I had no vampires. Um, I had no humans. Uh, no one wanted to be near me. Uh, so, yeah, I can see that. And yeah. actually, I don't think I was bitten by any bugs that day. Well, there you <laughs> go. The next week. So <laughs> maybe I should just stick with that. Yes. Sweet. 
So, so you recommend, so would it be like, could you just, Use a little garlic powder. You absolutely could. I uh, Like I said, definitely do your research. Look at some holistic vet websites. They typically recommend garlic for the prevention. Mm-hmm. So you can probably get some more broken down examples of how to calculate that as well. But absolutely. that We've used it for the past two years, and I haven't had any issues with fleas or ticks whatsoever. Wow. And, you're li- and you live in the country like we do. Yep. So actually, I think you're more country than we are. I, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Last myth. <laughs> so this is a I didn't, good one. You I like didn't my even truth read this on that one. one. <laughs> I like that. Your truth is so simple on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. This one is it's just, I started hearing this when I started working with dogs 26 well, years ago. I was going to say, I don't think it's really something that I hear nowadays, except Except for my mother. Oh my God, seriously? My mother. Mom, if you happen to listen to this, <laughs> one, I'm sorry for throwing you under the bus, but two, <laughs> I'm so happy you made it because you can definitely use Nikki's help. That's awesome. But when my mom found out, I'll let you go have Okay, so the myth, the myth is feeding a dog, feeding raw food to a dog makes them aggressive. <laughs> sorry, because they get that taste of blood. Uh, my mom, when she found out I fed a raw diet to my dogs, I really thought she was going to come undone. She, they had the taste of blood and they would never be the same. If you have a kid, they're going to eat the baby. I don't have a good explanation for this one because I don't even know how you explain it. So I, my answer is just no. No. Well, I can tell you that from behavior, <laughs> uh, I do have experience. Um, no. Uh, no. Aggression aggressive behavior comes from a lot of different things and it is now your food can play a part because of gut health but it has nothing to do with the taste of blood (laughs) so just know that that is not something that you need to worry about uh for sure um so those are some really good myths that is those are truly a lot of I'll be honest, I had about about 20 more. Like, when I started taking my notes for this, my brain was just on, like, overload. I was like, we could spend a day talking about all the myths that I can just easily think about. So let's do it. We'll do a number two then. So we'll So put together a new list, and we'll do a um, Mythbusters Nutrition Edition. Um, That would be great, because I think that, again, it's something that people, I know that dog owners want to do best for their dog. I just think it's overwhelming it is Um, it absolutely is yeah so i mean anything that we can do to help you guys understand a little bit better anyway um you know to to maybe get get rid of the things that are scary to you first and then we're going to try to bring you more education um you know for finding the right food and uh tiffany did a great job of putting a list together for us that we give to our clients on uh, recommendations for kibble, canned, raw, dehydrated. Uh, so if any of you listeners want that, be happy to send that to you. Just have to send us an email. Um, but Tiffany, where can they find you if they're not local? Absolutely. Well, if they're local and not local. Of course. So always check out my website. So anything that's listed on our shop, obviously I approve of. I heavily research anything that's brought into the shop. So if it's on my website, I approve of it. We don't ship or anything like that, but you can use my website as a guide to go other places to shop and 
as well. And that's going to be thrivemarket.biz. Excellent. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. Tell the listeners what you look for when you look at food that you feel comfortable bringing to the table. Absolutely. What is it that you look for? So first I dive into the manufacturer or the brand themselves because I don't want to look at their individual products if I already don't approve of what they do. So, And are we talking like what they do as far as where their food sourced from or how they're manufacturing it? Both. Okay. So, I mean, you can source very quality ingredients, but if you're bringing it into a manufacturing plant with some very low quality ingredients and you don't have a lot of safety procedures or measures or testing in place, things can get mixed up and wrong things can go into the incorrect product, stuff like that. Um this is why we let her do the work, y'all, because <laughs> I don't have time to do all that. But I, I have a pretty big list of like my trusted manufacturers. Most of the people that are out there in the pet food industry, um, I've done, I've dug into just a little bit. Um, so the first thing I look at is the manufacturer. I want to know, do they easily answer my questions? If they kind of stray away from my questions, then it seems like there's a little something fishy going on there. Um, if I bring in a new brand, I have already already been in contact with the manufacturer, asked them my list of questions. And based off of their answers, I either went farther looking into their products or just kind of put them to the side and I don't go back. So if they are not open to answer the specific questions that I have about their products, then I typically won't go any further than that. However, if they are upfront with absolutely everything and answer my questions easily without me having to, you know, kind of beat around the bush for the long time, then I will kind of dive more into their products. That's when I get more into the specifics of what are the ingredients that make up this product? Are there a lot of unnecessary ingredients? We always want it as simple as possible. So when you're looking at um, a really good thing that I love to point out is supplement chews. So most supplements come in either a powdered form, a liquid form, or in a chew. Now, when you get these things in a chew, they're convenient because you can just give give one and you're done. You don't have to sprinkle it on the food. You don't have to deal with putting it in the fridge, things like that. But in order to make that chew into a compact little chew, you have to have a lot of inactive and really unnecessary mm, ingredients yep. in there. So if you're feeding a skin and coat chew that's supposed to help the skin and coat health of your dog, but it also has a lot of starchy things in there to make it into a chew, you're not really getting much out of it because what you are taking care of, it's bringing it right back. I didn't even think about that. But again, this is why we go to you. <laughs> I love it because I love when I learn new things. But that is the main thing that I focus on, um, kind of what the manufacturer is about. I love to see the ones that will, like I said, answer the questions that ethically source everything. That's a really big one. Um, I think that's probably about it. What? Would, so this is something that we talked about in the last one that we recorded. That I, I think that people are probably dying to know, and I, and I think I'm just going to go ahead and ask it and just put you on the spot there, but I think you already have it in your head, so it's going to be easy. Um, what would be, like if you're telling somebody the first five ingredients of a food, mm-hmm. what, um, what should they be looking at? So first big red flag, if you can't understand something within the first five ingredients, <laughs> put it back on the shelf. There if, you go. It needs to be simple. You want to be able to read and comprehend that. And if you can't, then it's probably not the best thing for your dog. And you want to see real food in those first five ingredients. You want to see things like chicken, named proteins, even some fruits and vegetables. If there's anything else within those first five ingredients, then I don't recommend it. If you have corn or rice listed as the very first ingredient that's a really really big red flag and that means 80 percent of your food is nothing but corn and rice 
Oh, there's so many out there like that. There really is. To where there's like a meat and then there's like grain. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, chicken based. Yep. No, it's not. <laughs> not at all. Corn based. <laughs> Corn-based. Well, corn-based doesn't sound good. I think that people are going to want to hear what we recorded the first time, so we may have to go back and do a little bit of that. We can we can totally go back to it. I think we may have to, because I yeah. think people are now being like, oh my God, they're all going to look at the bag of food, and they're like, oh I shit, right? Or, you know, you could just pay $25 to Tiffany to do a consult, um, and you can shoot her an email for that, uh, which is, oh, hey, Myers, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Thrive at the farm at NatchesTrace.com. Mm-hmm. Jeez, buddy. Y'all, this is what I'm going through with adolescence. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is, drives me crazy. He is an angel. Yeah, he's an angel um, who sings like a banshee. <laughs> so, so, uh, but yeah, it, I love the fact they can just go to your site and see. Um, of course. Right, y'all can, of course, you can email me if you want. I'll be happy to send you the list. Um, but yeah, last thing. What, how do you recommend people change their food? If they are looking at their bag of food and they're like, oh my God, this is bad. Um, what, how do you recommend if they, once they find one, mm-hmm. how do they need to change that? It really depends on the dog itself. So if you're already having issues with pickiness and your dog already isn't eating the food, then you really can't do a slow transition because. They already don't like their food, so it's not going to be easy to transition. So on a normal basis, I do recommend a five to eight day transition where you're slowly kind of going from the old to the new, taking it slow. I always recommend adding in a digestive aid during this time. Pumpkin is one of my favorite things at your grocery store. They're 100% pumpkin. Obviously, the organic ones are going to be better. As long as it doesn't have any additives like sugar, don't get the pumpkin pie mix. No, get the 100% please don't get pumpkin. the pumpkin pie mix. But definitely keep a digestive aid in there when you're doing it because, and especially if your dog's been on the one food for a long time, when you're switching to a new brand, you're going to have digestive upset. You don't want to stop at that point. You you want to carry on. So if you stop at that point, you're just backtracking. You want to carry on. They're going to get an upset stomach, but they'll be okay. We'll work through it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lots of hydration and just kind of keep going. And you can always up the digestive aid a little bit once they start getting into those loose bowel movements and things like that. But if you're already having issues with pickiness and you're not really able to do a transition, I recommend fasting for 24 hours and then fully go to the next food. Oh, okay. That seemed to me that sounds so much easier. Just it to does. fast. Now you might, if you've been on a food for a long time, doing it that way, you might have a little bit more of a digestive upset than if you was to transition. But if your dog's been on the same food for a couple years, you're probably going to have to deal with that anyway, so you might as well do it cold turkey. How long should someone try a certain food before they make a decision if it's the right one for their dog or not? You need to be fully transitioned to the food before you completely say, this is not for me. Um, If your dog is going to have a reaction such as itchiness, uh, skin irritations, or anything like that, that is not going to present itself into at least a month on the food. Those things do not show themselves really quickly, and if you're seeing that fast, it's it's not coming from the diet change it's coming from maybe an environmental or something else um now because one of the things that i tell clients is that i yes i'm I'm like give it 30 days um to know mm -hmm. if it's even the right ingredient list and but you can get itching gas i gunk things uh, like that uh, just through the detox process. Absolutely. I was actually just about to bring up detox. So absolutely. (laughs) So especially if you've been on something that is a lot lower quality with a lot of corn, rice, and not a lot of real ingredients in there, 
your dog's likely going to go through a detox when you put them on a healthy food, especially if you're going from a kibble to a fresh food diet or a raw food diet. So what's happening there is their liver and everything in their body is releasing all of those toxins. And obviously those toxins are going to affect the system as they move their way out of the system. So you might see some red flags like you would think would be an irritation from the food. So that was a good point. If you do see those red flags kind of really fast, likely what is happening is your dog is detoxing and they need to work those toxins out of the system. Best thing for that is liquid diet for 24 hours. Oh, well, there you go. Because I know a lot of people like where he never itched until we switched. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, he's probably detoxing, mm-hmm. right? So we don't know that until we finish it out. Right. Awesome. See, this has been so good. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. We've Me been too. trying to redo it forever. I made you come to the house and do it. Uh, but I gave you a beer. So I mean, and I got good. to see Myers and Isabel. Got to see Myers I mean, and Isabel. You brought them some treats. They're really happy. They're full of themselves <laughs> right now. They're in there making all kinds of noise. Um, any final words you have to... Spread your knowledge to the world. Um, talk to me, guys. I always love getting the emails from Nikki's clients wanting to know, you know, what they need to do next, where are they at. Even if you don't want to change foods and you just want to know if what you're feeding is good, shoot me an email. Give me a call. I'm always happy to break it down for you. You know, I will never judge if you're feeding a very bad food. <laughs> I'm not going to get mad at you. We'll work we'll our way judge. through it and we will talk about how to better it. Um, are you available for Zoom consults? I absolutely can. I, I don't think I've actually done one of those yet, but I would 100% be okay with doing that if we've got somebody that's out of state and wants to talk. I do a lot over the phone. I've had quite a few of your out of the state mm-hmm. um, clients reach out. We do things via phone and email. Excellent. I like to send a lot of paperwork when I do things like this yes. because most problems are not an easy fix of just fixing the food. Right. You need to you know, worry about adding the variety into the diet and things like that and really building that gut health. And 90% of the people that reach out to me we focus more on building gut health for the first 30 days than we really do an actual big food change. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Get the gut ready to, to actually change that change. To something. That makes sense. Um, awesome. I am so glad that you came and did this. I think this is so important for our clients um, to hear and for our listeners to hear because for me, nutrition is number one. Um, and even Alicia is now our newest trainer. Um, she is like, um, I need to take that nutrition course. So now she's <laughs> oh, going to take the nutrition it. course. Go, Alicia. Uh, we're still going to let you stay with the advanced. Oh, of course. You can't get rid of yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just, that's it. Um, I was threatened, though, by your bosses the other day of not, I'm not allowed to steal you. Oh, okay. Um, because I wanted to steal you for our weight loss. Uh, but I think we'll work, to, we'll still be able to work together on that um, when we offer our weight loss uh stuff next year but um but yeah this is great i will put everything in the show notes of how you guys need to get in touch with her and um thanks for coming over and doing this this is fantastic awesome well i hope you guys uh keep listening i hope that you check us out on um our facebook page our instagram page um all those good things please share rate and review and you know what share this episode and this podcast with all the people you know uh, because we need more, we want more people listening so that we can educate them. Absolutely. We want to make dog speak geeks around the world. Um, <laughs> so we want you guys to uh, to really share everything and we appreciate you. Um, and of course, you know, you can reach us at info at dogspeak101.com. Um, and of course, um, also podcast at dogspeak101.com. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week.